They're coming to get you, Barbara. I don't know what you come to do, but I come to praise me. Because you'll never be anything but a common frump whose father lived over a grocery store and whose mother took in washing. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Who Shot Ya? It's your host. I'm your boy, Ricky Carmona. Joining me in the studio today, I have... Sitting in front of me this time, I have film critic and host of Switchblade Sisters. It's sometimes it snows in April. April Wolf, y'all. April, what is good? Hey, Ricky. Um, so the internet is just a hellscape, but sometimes... <laughs> no, everything is going great right now. <laughs> the world is so good. Sometimes something cuts through, and I've been laughing about this for a week straight, and I know it's old news, but I just keep laughing about it, and it's it's like these... um. These animal faces that keep getting photoshopped onto the the food, and then also the the um, the Olive Garden thing, the Olive Garden bot thing. Oh right, that the guy. He, well, it's uh, the fake, but it was that he had a bot watch yeah. a thousand hours. Yeah. Um, oh right. Olive but, Garden commercials. But, yeah, but he wrote like a he wrote like a fake. Oh, I did like, hear about this. Yes. Olive Garden yeah. commercial, <laughs> which is just. It's it blows my mind of how hilarious and I I just I can't remember I should have pulled up like the actual script to have a line from it but it's just it's so existential <laughs> that it makes me so happy and I just I sometimes will just think about the ending of it which is ominous mm. somehow yeah 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 <laughs> it's like it's like it's a play on endless breadbasket but in a, in a threatening way yeah like, it's really threatening yeah. like it feels like a horror film and I'm like I I so badly want to shoot it to actually direct it <laughs> yeah i if anyone wants to help me direct the, okay. the script for this olive garden script it's just two pages but wow all right it's so good let's it start to go funny really for that yeah. excellent that's what's up yo that's what's up uh to my right film reviews editor at the rep el mero mero de navidad the one and only mr alonzo duralde hey ricky hey alonzo what is good with you sir uh, so I've been making myself read lately because I've been terrible about not doing that of late. Uh, you know, it, it, it's like if I'm not on an airplane, I'm just I, – I have a hard time having a book handy and picking it up. And uh, so I've been, I've been getting back on the literary horse of late. Hmm. And I am reading James Baldwin's Go Tell It on the Mountain, okay. which I've yes. never read before. And it's so great. And after seeing I'm Not Your Negro, I remember thinking – I need to read more James Baldwin. <laughs> and now, a year and a half later, I'm doing it. The second you said James, I was like, please don't say Patterson. Or please do say Patterson, but I wasn't sure. And then you were like, yeah, you I went... read that Bill Clinton novel. It's riveting. <laughs> exactly. And I thought he was going to say James Franco, and I was going to be equally disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, say James, James Comey. Say James Comey. All the literary giants. <laughs> oh, and she's back in the building with a CL. Film film festival programmer, the dope rhyme, Saya Drea Clark. Yay! Drea, fan of Jay Z's Monster Verse. <laughs> How dare you? It's so terrible. It's the what? worst verse. It is the worst verse. Gooble it, gobble it. All right. What is good with you, Drea? Oh, I get enough of it. It's so bad. Um,. Uh, First off, I want to say what's salty with me, oh, okay. which I already came at Alonzo about, <laughs> but it's fresh to April, and you are also complicit, mm. which We're all is on blast. this yeah. gal, this gal driving along, supporting her friends, listening to my favorite podcast, Who Shot Ya? was like, oh, it's the solo episode. Ooh, they're so funny. Ooh, Ingo, cranky, cranky. And then at the end of it. Alonzo Duralde is all <laughs> gasp. I heard someone recently confused 28 Days Later with 28 Days, the Sandra Bullock vehicle. And then all of you smug jerk offs started laughing. <laughs> and I pointed at my radio and was like, You fuckers, that was me! <laughs> that was me! Wait, was it? Yes! yes. <laughs> it was I heard everyone not. else was laughing. <laughs> You're all... It's like just pure pressure for me. So. <laughs> this is a very she yes she was, she was just into doing it. what she was told. Yeah, I was listening and I was staring at the, at the I see radio. I was staring at my phone and I was like, <gasps> I was like, oh, you listen to it in a radio? Yeah. Like, awesome. <laughs> I like dialed it in. Um, but yeah, I was like, those jerks. Those jerks, how dare they? But um, on what's good with me, there was something in the Christopher Robin trailer, which played before Incredibles 2. 
And I'm going to do my the worst poo impression in the world. So just know I already know it's the worst. Yes. Oh, bother. But he <laughs> had this phrase in it that, like, I giggled through the next trailer and then went home and kept giggling. And basically it was, um, people are always saying nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. And that made me laugh <laughs> so hard. And it made me, it was the perfect, like, one-liner. And it also reminded me of Mitch Hedberg, who's this incredible mm. comic that I used to know and who's wonderful. And um, also it was, like, the king of, like, observational, weird, absurdist one-liner, things like that. I'm so I'm not going to get offended like you're explaining Mitch Hedberg to me. I'm not looking even <laughs> at you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm looking at April's shoes, who were really quizzical about but who Mitch Hedberg was. you get me back was. for saying Jay-Z's These worst. shoes. <laughs> so there was Some this people know, they know him from Mitch that Hedberg. 70s show. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously <laughs> enough. Well, yeah. This is when Alex Ross Perry writes a Disney movie. This is yeah. the kind of, like, observational <laughs> right. humor you get. That's very true. But it was, then I went and, like, did a nice little wormhole of Mitch Hedberg um, old clips and videos and stuff. And I loved that Christopher Robin, like that my my uh, six degrees was directly from Christopher that Robin to Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very good for it's me. It's not that it's far off. Well, really, you know, truly. I was thinking in one of the Sondheim songs that uh, from that was written for Madonna in Dick Tracy, she has the line, more is better than nothing. Yes, but nothing's better than more. It's such a good line. <laughs> oh, shit. That's yeah, deep. Right? Yeah. I bet someone's got that as a tattoo. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's for someone sure. out there who's just like, the original motion picture of Dick Tracy. Oh, my God. <laughs> a lot of, like, you know, your 1991 senior yearbook, that was their, yes. like, phrase. Yeah. Their senior quote. Ricky, what's good? good? Yeah. Oh. Damn it. Damn it. You guys. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this wasn't going to be my once good, and it still isn't officially, but I just watched Dick Tracy again last week. Shut you up. know I own that bitch on DVD. Ask of him course. about his I tattoo. Do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I got a back tattoo, y'all. Uh, hiatus <laughs> Ricky rolls again. <laughs> <laughs> what I do have, y'all, today is Wu-Tang socks. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So I'm very excited about those. But what is good with me was uh, I woke up. Went on Instagram and, you know, Michael B. Jordan was the first one who showed up on my Instagram feed. And that new Creed 2 trailer is out. Uh. And I know we're usually not crazy about trailers here. I'm usually, well, I'm not as crazy about trailers as I used to be. But they use Kendrick's DNA in that trailer. And they time the beat of Kendrick's voice to Creed's uh, punches. And that's the best use of Kendrick's DNA since Kendrick doing DNA. Like, it is just, I was just like, I'm in. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch this movie. I was going to watch it anyway, but I am so in just on that. Like, that moment is so dope. Uh, well, as was mentioned earlier, Drea dropped Incredibles 2. On today's episode, we are talking Incredibles 2. Yeah, we are. Uh, in celebration of Pride Month, we will be discussing the state of queer cinema. And as always, we will have our staff picks for you. But first, it is time for our news roundup game called It a Dick, short for Is This Important? Do I Care? Here's how it works. I'll read a news blurb or headline. April, Alonzo, or Dre will jump in with their take by answering these two questions. Is this important? Do I care, though? Do I? All right. You guys, my best friend, I don't know if you knew that, but she's my best friend, <laughs> Tiffany Haddish. So she hit up on Leonardo DiCaprio, and I do mean hit up on. This wasn't just a flirtation. She hit up on that dumb white boy. She was, she was out to close. Yes. Um, the quote. <laughs> from the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, I met him at a party two, three months ago. I asked him if he'd let me hit that. He's like, Tiffany, you're so funny. And I'm like, I'm serious. <laughs> and then he goes, I mean, I'd do it, but I was like, come on, wasn't you in a squad? The Coochie Squad or something? <laughs> um, uh, which is great because he's very famously in the Pussy Posse. Yeah, the pussy but, it's posse. A, but from now on, I'm calling it the Coochie oh, Squad. squad. That's what it is. 100%, that's what they deserve. Yep. Haddish then went on to say her only stipulation for hooking up, and this is my very favorite part, would be that he do it in his character from What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Because I feel like that performance deserves a real reward, and this re and that reward is this. <laughs> gesturing at herself. <laughs> is this important? Do you care? Yes. yes. I'm so I'm so happy that like this guy who's like clearly 
been leering at women for his whole career yes. gets to have a woman who's just like very confident and in herself and is just like, hey, how do you like it? You like this? <laughs> she, you want she, this? She fully, him. Yeah. I was going to say, she fully objectifies him and then she negged him, which yeah. I also love. She's yes, like, she did She's that. like, oh, I'll do it, but for the most embarrassing role to you that you ever played yeah. and also the best thing you ever did, which was 20 years ago. <laughs> that man should be so lucky to get up on Tiffany Haddish. Like, yes, she would teach him things that he probably doesn't deserve to learn. That's true. That he truly probably doesn't deserve. Yeah, this is as important as it gets to me. <laughs> on, the, on the importance, do I care ranking? This is of high code, urgent importance. Yes. Yeah. I believe what's eating Gilbert Grape? That's a Lasse Hallstrom joint. It is. Back just... when he made good movies. <laughs> oh, so There's much shade thrown off this, yo. <laughs> Look, he met Harvey Weinstein and it was all over. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, something weird is going on with the Gotti user reviews oh. on Rotten Tomatoes. You don't see. Here's the rundown. <laughs> so the new film Gotti with John Travolta opened last Friday and got a all too rare but also well deserved zero percent <laughs> score on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics, and that's not good. But the audience score was a respectable 76%, which makes it seem like regular folks liked it. Uh, but those numbers are a little fishy. Gotti made $1.7 at the box office and received 7,000 audience reviews. Incredibles 2, uh, by comparison, made $180 million and received... 7,600 audience reviews. Uh, many critics are pointing fingers at the makers of Gotti for artificially inflating the numbers to get a better audience score, especially since apparently a lot of those reviews were from accounts that were created this month. Um, they look especially guilty since the people behind Gotti released an ad attacking critics saying, who would you trust more, yourself or a troll behind a keyboard? <laughs> Tell me, trolls, is this important? <laughs> Do you care? I should say, Ingu does consider herself a troll. <laughs> she has, has to find herself. That's a troll herself. I trust. Yeah. But, it is a, but it is a troll I trust because, yes, there is, there's a... There's cinematic history in her trolling. She <laughs> understands what she's talking about. Ugh, th this ad is so Trumpy. Yeah. The, the, I, I, I saw the ad and I was like, Gotti, you're just being so damn thirsty right now. Just like <laughs> trying to get some fucking attention on you. I, I've done I've done this amount of research on Gotti. I saw Pitbull was, did the soundtrack for it. And I was like, ooh, that's ridiculous. Brave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I was, and then that's it. And then like it immediately like was like, my brain was like, all right, that's all the information we need about the movie Gotti, Ricky. Get out of I, here. I went and saw it last night and shockingly there were quite a few people there. There was like 40 or 50 people on a Tuesday night. Was John Travolta there? Uh, he, not that I know of. <laughs> Kelly Preston? F not that I could tell. Pitbull? Uh, th definitely not. <laughs> Thank goodness I'm an AMC stub member, so it only cost me five bucks. <laughs> Uh, but it's hot garbage. Um, <laughs> it is, you know, I mean, you get these occasional glimmers of an actual good movie in there. But for the most part, it's just like another mob movie where people have, you know, stand on sidewalks and confer, you know, and then people get whacked. And, uh, you know, John Gotti Jr., this character is supposed to age from like 17 to 50. And the character always looks 19, hmm. no matter what, which is just ridiculous. Travolta is trying you know he's making an effort and i like kelly preston like let's not forget jerry Maguire. she's a spitfire but she's got nothing to do with victoria gotti the movie looks like garbage like it's it's shot just haphazardly the music is either all like super on the nose here's what year it is pop songs mm. or like Drea, you'll know this from, from years at film festivals, one of those crappy scores that was composed entirely on like a Casio oh, keyboard. Yeah. Oh, That's good, what this movie is. A, a money saver. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I try not to ever miss a, a film directed by Kevin Connolly. Speaking Who of the, wasn't no. the Pussy Posse. Speaking of the Pussy Posse. <laughs> no way. I yes. didn't know he directed this. Yeah. Oh, he directed it. At, at, it's co-written by uh, the actor Joe Rossi and Lem Dobbs. Oh, wow. You know, Google Sorry, him. Sorry, I don't know those people, actually. So. Lem Lem Dobbs like wrote the limey. Yeah. Like he's got he's uh, a, he's a you, legit yeah. screenwriter. And then it, there's like fifty producers. <laughs> That's crazy. It, it, it all feels like a weird tax shelter money laundering <laughs> thing. Some, I don't know what well, the hell. Did it say like a thank you to the Seychelles like film <laughs> yeah. institute yes. or something? I have something to read. What? I know. <laughs> Uh, here's some news for you guys. Natalie Portman, who is very into the vegan lifestyle, 
Um, she just produced this new film called Eating Animals, and it covers animal cruelty in mass meat production stuff, like the, the cow schwitz that you see when you go up the five. Oh, it's so gross. And at the premiere of the film, she revealed another project that she would like to work on, and she said, it would be my dream to make one of those cooking shows, but only for vegan food. It could provide you with a starter kit if you want to be vegan. Um, would you guys watch the show? Is this important? Do you care? Can I chime in and say serendipitously, and it makes sense because she's promoting eating animals, but yesterday, like before I knew we were going to talk about this, I happened to watch, like it came up on my Twitter, um, on like she went to Vulture and did a little cooking segment mm-hmm. and made this like chickpea stew and I watched it and A, I was thinking, for someone who's beautiful and charming, you're really uncomfortable in front of this camera while cooking. <laughs> like, it was this, and then my second thought was, that dish looks disgusting. It was like, and I've eaten lovely vegan meals, but it was this like, oh, so you put these chickpea, canned chickpeas, and then this like canned like tomatoes and you mush them up and let them sit there and then, oh, del- all right, and then have some rice. I just was like, wow. Anyway, it was very funny. I'm like, oh, no, a cooking show, that's not. Yeah, you. Dave Maybe said not with her. Dave watched <laughs> the video and he said, like, she's stirring these canned tomatoes, yes. but she's clearly never stirred yes. a thing in her life. This is amazing. She's, like, poking at the tomato, like, you, tomato, I poke you. <laughs> like, that's a thing that he loves to catch in movies, like, where, you know, Kim Basinger is vacuuming or Jane Fonda is washing a wine glass. It's like, these women have never done that in their lives, and nobody on the set coached them like on ha- what housework oh looks God. like. That's so sad. <laughs> Oh. I mean, I would, I would definitely watch that cooking show, though. I think a I lot would of, watch it absolutely, oh, 100%. I think, yeah, there's definitely a place for. If a she would do it in the show. Amidala, like hair and makeup, yes, <laughs> I, I would watch it in that. I would watch her bald V for Vendetta style. I would watch uncomfortable ass Natalie Portman. I enjoyed uncomfortable Natalie Portman. Yeah. It just stood out to me how uncomfortable oh, sure. she was. I definitely think there's a place for maybe a celebrity like, ve- vegan cooking. But show. like a real chef comes in and teaches her how to make it, which Ooh. would be hilarious if she's just like, <laughs> and then I. Okay, what? what do I? <laughs> Am I poking this tomato right? Look, Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow's cookbooks are great because they're written by her chef. Sure. And so, like, Natalie Portman just needs her chef to, like, come in and run all this show. Ingu, we should say, wrote a review of the movie, and she, the title is uh, uh, First Slate, obviously. Uh, Every American should see eating animals. Also, I hated it. <laughs> Yeah. So that's a review that you can read. That's, that's a, she's never ingooed that hard before. <laughs> she went full king. Oh, that's great. I love that we just got through that first section of the show, and this has been the most shadiest section of the show. <laughs> we're we're always so nice. What happened? Yeah, we're like, yo, fuck that off. It's my Jewel. fault. I brought up salt right <laughs> no, away. That was great. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Sorry the, to the, all the listeners. The world we're is usually beating much us nicer. Down. <laughs> I apologize yes. so much. <laughs> We are going to take a break. When we come back, we will be talking about Incredibles 2. Fairhaven's a city in a bubble. An actual bubble. It keeps the monsters out. Most of them, anyway. I never liked the look of movies on Blu-ray. For my money, Betamax is the superior format. I'm thinking of deleting Facebook and going back to MySpace. As far as beverages go, I'm just kind of over water. Though I guess at any given party, you're going to meet some dudes like that, even if you're not in the middle of a nightmarish wasteland. Bubble, the sci-fi comedy from MaximumFun.org. Just open your podcast app and search for Bubble. Welcome back to Who Shot Ya? I'm your host, Ricky Carmona. Joining me in the studio today are... Alonzo Duralde. April Wolf, Drea Clark. Today, we are talking about Incredibles 2. Drea, since you are... It's, it feels weird to say, Drea, you're our guest. I just feel like you're part of the you're part of the family. You're the inner circle, yo. I'm like the woman across the street in Bewitched, who's just been like staring. <laughs> Gladys Kravitz. Glad- yes, yeah. I'm sorry. I should have said Alonso. Remind me the name of the woman across the street. I'm Gladys Kravitz. I've been staring at so long. You're like, I guess we'll give her a key. <laughs> you're, the, you're the first Mrs. Rochester. You just took, came down the stairs. Well, Drea Gladys Kravitz, will you give us a brief? 
synopsis of the film? I will. Incredibles 2, please. Incredibles 2 is a sequel to a motion picture called Incredibles. (laughs) It was made by the Pixar organization. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, it's great. It follows this family that all has superpowers, the two parents and their three rascally children. When the movie begins, they are trying to thwart a bad guy from doing some bad stuff. And chaos ensues, as it does in all superhero movies, with mass destruction and buildings burned or knocked over or iced over. And things go wrong, and they're sort of blamed for it. And um, and the bad guy gets away. So it's not really showing the worth of these superheroes. So <laughs> it's uh, rendered the superheroes, and they've already been illegal. They're supposed to be underground, and they have to kind of turn in their capes and go back to figuring out how to live their lives, A, superhero-less, and B, how to pay their bills, how to do all of that stuff. They're no longer being taken care of. When along comes a crazy billionaire and his sister with a plan so not to just my work, and <laughs> that's to employ Helen, a.k.a. Elastigirl, as the figurehead of this initiative that they're doing to try and make superheroes legal again. And they're going to put a body camera on her, and they're going to show the public that it's not just destruction and chaos, but a lot of thought and hard work and crazy superhero skills goes into it. So she joins them up. She faces off a nemesis named Screenslaver. Little different hijinks happen. And while she's out trying to literally save the world and get superheroes legal again, uh, her hubby is back home single-dadding it with his aforementioned rascally kids, including the smallest, who has nutso amount of superhero skills of his own that are popping up in crazy ways and uh, it all comes to a head as movies do. Both of those things come together. Family, powers, superheroes, mayhem, bad guys, and a, a foil boat that I was like, oh, it's the world's... Hydrofoil. Hydrofoil. I was like, they said that word, and I was like, yeah, I don't know what that means, yeah. but it's the biggest one. Yeah. It's a boat made of foil. It's a boat. That's why I was like, it doesn't shine. <laughs> yes. Incredibles 2. Hydrofoil. <laughs> Thank you, Drake. Let us crap it. Now, uh, usually I ask, hey, what did we think of this film as a first question? But today, I think I want to ask... Do any of you call hearing a, quote, shifty sound at the screening you saw? Because New Yorker film critic Anthony Lane is getting a lot of heat for writing about how hot and bothered he may have gotten watching it. Here's a sample of what he wrote. Take your seat at any early evening screening of Incredibles 2 in the coming days. Listen carefully, and you may just hear a shifty sound as a parent squirming awkwardly besides their enraptured offspring. And why, kids? Because Mommy just leaned over to Daddy and whispered, Is it just me, or does Mrs. Incredible kind of look like Anastasia in Fifty Shades of Grey? You know, the girl in the red room with the whips and all. And Daddy just rested his cooling soda firmly in his lap, and like Mr. Incredible, tried very hard to think of algebra. As for how Daddy will react later on during the scene in which Helen and the husky-voiced Evelyn unwind and simply talk, woman to woman, I hate to think, but watch out for flying popcorn. Boom, son. I've Boom, never been so son. uncomfortable in my life. Uh-huh. I don't know where to look right now. <laughs> Everyone in this room is too close to me. What do you think, like, the people at the New Yorker are thinking oh right God. now? Like, what? Richard Brody is like, oh, lose my number. How many He's editors like, did him. this go through? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know her. Yeah. I mean... Oh, my God. Like, like, when Dave and I reviewed this on Literally Knife, he copped to finding Mr. Incredible attractive. But then that was it. That was, like, one sentence, and we moved on. Sure. Yeah. But, like, Anthony Lane just lingers over this whole thing. <laughs> this is only one paragraph Yeah, there's a many. whole, the whole oh, lead. Right? The yes. lead of the review, he goes at length oh. about her line about trampoline me. Yeah. And, it, <laughs> and turns that into a whole thing, and it's like... Keep it in your pants, Mr. Lane. Well, and it's one thing to be just lascivious as hell, but he keeps bringing it back to parents with their children nearby. Like, no, either let us forget the audience this was made for while you go on your pervert quest (laughs) or make it just – it was the crossing over that that made me just so squirmy. My thing was like time and the place, bro. Time and the place because – 
I'm gonna let y'all right now, right now, right now. I would totally holler at Mrs. Incredible. We, we like, know that would happen. We we that know. Would happen. You, you we want know. her to know your name is Ricky? I, I, I would let her we, know yes. my name is Ricky. No. All right. Shout out to Drea for knowing that I would yes. call her thick. Yes. Thank you. CHICC. <laughs> but I'm not writing like paragraphs about it. You no, know, thank I'm not letting you. everybody know. I'm not I'm not like using the word kids at all. Like right? in any of that. Like that, Or daddy. What are you doing, bro? Yeah. What and are I was, you doing? Like, disturbed by like the last part of that thing where he's turned on by two women talking. Yeah, um, he's single handedly ruined the Bechdel test. Yeah, he's just like, oh, shit, the test is sexualized now. Great. What did we all think of the film? Well, other than it was incredibly arousing, <laughs> first and foremost, <laughs> I would describe this film as arousing. Um, no, someone else. I didn't mean no, to. No, it was. It's. it's Fun. It, it as as my friend Matt Atchity is wont to say, it does what it says on the box. You know, like it. You go in for an incredible sequel, and you get an incredible sequel. And you know, the first Incredibles was a game changer. I mean, I still think of it as one of the best, if not the best, superhero movie. Uh, you know, and so this one does not change the game the way that one did but it's it is a worthy successor yeah I guess. it's and, solid and that sounds like damning with faint praise but it's not it's good it's it it it, it is fun and it's exciting and the, the the characters are interesting and and the lines are witty and there there is that thing of pixar where their scripts all kind of follow the same pattern like you know the rich and or famous person who seems real helpful in act one is perhaps not going to be you know yeah. like that we've seen that dynamic play out a lot like coco most recently but they've 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 played that card quite a few times and obviously yes their movies are i i you know you were saying are they i don't even know if they're aimed at kids as i think they would argue like the old warner brothers animators that they're aiming at everybody you know and so i think for older viewers who see these movies, because we all see them, you know, we're, we're starting to see the tricks, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought it was solid. I had a blast. The Incredibles is my favorite Pixar um, movie. Mm. It's I, just I did it Incredibles. Again. I did it again, no, yo. The, the first Incredibles is the Incredibles. See? See? For real? Yeah. yeah. I feel like That's I just watched weird. that I, Well, not, I, don't, I take I just back watched my it. shade. It's okay. It's shade okay. retracted. It's okay. See, in, this, in this, this section of the episode, we will be taking shade away now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> It's my favorite Pixar movie, and it is one of my favorite superhero movies. Like, it's, there's like Richard Donner's Superman, Incredibles, Tim Burton's Batman. Like, it's 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 in that conversation for me. Uh, this one, it's it's not as good as the first one. That's not a bad thing though, because it's still pretty goddamn great. Yeah, you know, there's uh, like like there's there's a couple things that I just could see a mile away. I was like, well, I know where this character is going to end up. Uh, it's just fun to like hang out with that family again, you know. Like, I also like they're also like one of my. I realized I was watching. I was like, I think the Pars are one of my favorite movie families too. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah, they're great. Uh, I wish I would have gotten a little bit more Dash. I love Dash. You know, he's so funny. I love that little dude. I love that little dude so much. Uh, the the score is great. I love that it picks up. I oh, I love when sequels do this when they the just pick up right off, yeah. right where it leaves off. Shout out to Halloween two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's great, you know. And it it it, uh, it kind of works. It, like I I thought it was really smart because I was like, how are they going to get these actors to like sound like kids again? Well, there's like, a new dash. He's different. He dash is different. Sarah Vowell is still playing. Is she's still there though. Okay, all right. Uh, but yeah, I had fun. April, what do you think? Uh, I, I mean, I still haven't seen the first one. What? Super the? sorry. What? Super sorry. What? Uh, but what? I saw this movie with a hundred children, <laughs> and I'm not joking. Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I'll wait until like the eleven o'clock showing, and maybe it will be all right. But no, <laughs> it was like a hundred. I did the same thing. Hundred children, and I, I went PM by myself. Or AM? What's that? PM. PM. 11 p.m. There were 100 children. Yeah. God, parents are I went, the worst. I went to the I went to Highland Theater. I mean, it's summertime. Yeah, yeah. my parents I, took me to late movies. Yeah. I loved them for it. Mine I was did like, too. Nice. We're doing dangerous. I things. never left the house after eight. Until <laughs> 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 I was 20. 
<laughs> I probably I probably take my kids out on some late night adventures too. I so you know I don't mind whatever. I thought I could avoid it, but you know there's a hundred kids at least at the at the very least. I'm the only person there who doesn't have children, and of course the whole row is empty because no one wants to sit next to like <laughs> the, Curve lady. the one woman who's there without children. Experiences and um, you know the the movie was was good enough to the point where. Uh, the theater was actually quite silent through most of it, mm. which is, it's kind of amazing that you can get that. There were babies in there too, you know, like very, very small children. But I was thinking about what it takes and how much kind of mastery it takes over story to know um, when you need uh, an action sequence, you know, how long an audience can sit still with kind of a small, uh, you know, human moments before they need some action. And it's just kind of brilliant the way that they construct these. And so I, I give uh, great credit to, you know, the people who are, are writing and crafting this movie. Wow, it was silent, you yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. these kids weren't sleeping. They were like definitely like responding to it. But it was it was the pacing is great throughout, you know. Yeah, I've had to review kids movies where they were so bored. They're like running around in front of the screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. This is a feat, you yeah. know. Yeah. April, next week, I'm showing up with my copy of The Incredibles for you. OK. It's it's not on Blu-ray. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that. I know I'm not proud of that. But you need to watch this movie. Okay. Yo. Come on okay. now. Trey, what'd you think? Um, I also watched, I went to the Grove at 10 p.m. on a Monday because it was like, sweet, theater to myself. And it was sold out, jam-packed, all families. And I had the same. I'm like, I don't think I know how children work because in my head, it's like a gremlins thing. Like, aren't they supposed to, it's dark and they're supposed to be tucked away somewhere. But it was really nice getting their reactions to it. I saw The Incredibles, but I remember liking it, but I don't remember anything about it. Mm. So I actually didn't know this started right where that picked up, um, which is a nice... Oh, that's... Oh, fun. Yeah. What a fun thing. That's uh, <laughs> that's uh, what's what's happening right now. But um, so, yeah, I didn't... It didn't really clock for me hugely the first time other than just an enjoyable movie thing. And I think this was sort of the same. I, it was more like I had more respect for it. And I enjoyed so many moments. And I loved hearing, like, the kids respond to the, like, anything that Jack-Jack the baby did. The crowd went crazy. <laughs> and I loved the, I loved how just, that was one of those great, like, oh, this seems like, imagination like there was something about that character that was just like oh what a fun imagination thing like oh he's in another dimension and we could track him this way um yeah so i dug all of that stuff and i also liked them taking on what seems uh contemporary the the stay at home dad like they have a discussion about it and and it gets like a little prickly i mean just for a millisecond because <laughs> it's a pixar movie yeah. but in the way that it would of well you supported the family that maybe it's my time to do this and whatever and him being jealous of her getting to be front and center and him not being able to use his own skills i really liked them taking all of that on the one thing i didn't get from it and it was maybe unfair on my head but i normally have such an emotional response to pixar movies like inside out like turned me inside out like I cried for so long through that whole thing or the Toy Story movies and I know they all have a different purpose but I think in my head when I think of a Pixar film there are films the reason they are so emotionally evocative because they're films with a thesis that kind of plays through and mm -hmm. I can think of like oh everything is our variations on a theme and this one there were a few times that I'm like I'm not sure how that thread like I wasn't sure how the villain was a variation on the theme. Well, if that makes sense. These aren't yeah. designed to be as cryy as a lot right. of the other ones. Yeah. Are. I, yeah, I don't even just mean weepy, but sure. Like, no, no. It's I not actually, as emotionally I, resonant as, as the other ones are, which I was I was kind of glad with. I wanted to sure. go in there and just kind of like. <laughs> yeah, these are more like a large kind of a you know they're a fun action -y yeah. thing. Yeah, I did like the screen slaver character as a villain because it sort of touched on this whole notion of it. I mean, what what I like about these movies in general is uh, Brad Bird's sense of sort of retro futurism. You know, yes. he loves how much we used to look forward to the future. Like that's what that's all the Tomorrowland is about, which is not a very good movie. But the, the, so so the movie is set in this kind of part '60s space age, but part contemporary and 
the screenslaver thing uh, fits into that ethos because, you know, you, it could be argued that it's about television, but it, it fits into now with like every kid staring at screens yeah. all day long, mm-hmm. their phone and their pad and their, you know, their laptop or whatever. And so the idea of the villain who's hypnotizing people through their screens, I thought was like, oh, I, I see what you're doing, Pixar. That's very clever. Yeah. 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 Very much so. And I loved. Yeah, I did love how that came about. And truthfully, there's a part where when she's, cha- you know, she's like. Um, has like a compass basically leading her to screen slaver and she's going to bust and there's a voiceover of that that I was like oh I would love to read this voiceover because the whole voiceover screen slaver is broadcasting mm-hmm. his criticism of modern society right and I'm like oh I bet this is fascinating if I read it but there, it's moving so nicely well, fast that... in one of the non-pervy parts of the Anthony Lane review <laughs> he, he says it reads like it was written by Noam Chomsky yes so, it did you don't yeah, talk you go and talk shows exactly you know? Exactly. Uh, Where does this rank on everybody's? uh, Do people have here a a favorite Pixar film? Oh, I had I I have a running list at the wrap actually that I have to update every time I see one of these. I think this came in sixth, if I recall correctly. But you can go to you can go to the wrap and read it. Incredibles two came in sixth. Oh, okay. All right. Incredible. The Incredibles is my number one. Also, that's your number one. No, no, no. Actually, take it back. It's my number two. Uh, Toy Story three is my number one. Toy Story. Yeah. Yeah. April, Don't do you get have... me started about Toy Story. Oh, 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 no, oh, no, oh, no. Play the Mary Wild music. Play the Mary Wild music. April, what's your, what's your, do, do you enjoy Pixar movies? Uh, are, are you into them? Are you like, eh? It's one of those things where, like, I, if I watch them, I do enjoy them, but they're not movies I seek out. I think the kind of animated films that I still really love are the ones, like, from my childhood, like, darker ones. Mm. I'm not talking, like, di- Disney. I'm talking, like, Land Before Time, Secret of Nim, uh, Fern Gully. The Dark Cauldron. Uh, Heavy Metal. Not quite Dark Cauldron, but I, I, I also loved um, uh, uh, The Great Mouse Detective. I yes, think this was oh, one, one of the best movies. The Rescuers? The Rescuers and The Rescuers Down Under. Those ones are, there's something that hits, like, a kind of certain dark spot that, yeah. like, some kind of peril that feels very real. Have and you that's seen that I really any enjoy. Studio Ghibli? I I don't get into their stuff because I, I think like Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, you might dig. Because I've I've watched it like with um, my little sister because I've got a little sister who's much much younger than me, um, and so when I was babysitting her, we would watch all of these, you know, mm. like uh, Totoro and and all of them, and I would inevitably fall asleep on all of them. Hmm. Something about it just never connected with me. I appreciate it. I understand why people loved it, but I, I, something just didn't hit. You're dead inside. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't, it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the animation style or something that just doesn't connect, but it's just hmm. something in nine and two. No, I, Same I, thing I, with Pixar. It's like, I have a hard time with the kind of like 3d looking stuff. I really like hand drawn an- animation. I really hmm. enjoy that. Hmm. Yeah. I do. I do like the 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 retro futurism look. That's a perfect way to explain it of the Incredibles as well, because it just it 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 feels a little hand. It feels to me like that world. You know when they would have like those offshoot Tom and Jerry cartoons mm. where it would just be like they're just showing you what they think the future looks like. And like, oh yeah, yeah, those are the House of the Future. The yeah. uh, the the I think they were Tex Avery. Yeah, I would love those so much, and I feel like the Incredibles takes place in that yes. world. Uh, all right, so I mean, let's just go around. What did we think? Incredibles two, screen it, stream it, scab it, Trina. Um, I would say s- stream it. Wow, really? Yeah. Stream. I know. Unless you are, I think, like a. F- if you're not, first off, it's going to do such box office. You probably already saw it. I think if you are um, with a family, it would be great. But um, yeah, it was much more of a. Stream it for me. Like, I'll probably never see it again. Wow. Not in a bad way. No, no. I, just I a lot you. of films. A girl <laughs> need, needs time to rewatch Overboard. So. <laughs> <laughs> with, some, with a Riesling. <laughs> I watch Incredibles 2 with a Riesling. That's right. <laughs> April? Uh, I'm I'm actually of the exact same mind as Drea. Oh, wow. yay. I'm going to say screen it just because I think... I think the first time you watch a Pixar movie, you should see it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. I think there's some, some something so wonderfully tactile about the way they present stuff. I love 
the color palette. I love, I mean, the the, the design of this movie is off the hook. I, I love yeah. how everything looks. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Michael Giacchino score is such the fun. The score is you the just, best part. You yeah. just really want to bathe in that, you know. And so, like, see it, screen it once, and then stream it for the rest of your life. But screen it once. Yeah, yeah. I would say screen it as well. I think this, of the summer movies that we've watched so far, this has been the best one, like... I mean, what else did we see that was good? Did we see some shit that blew us away? I feel like Overboard is the last time I was really hyped about a fucking movie in here. <laughs> no lie. Uh, but yeah, like I saw this and I, I had a smile the whole way through. I was like, I like that I'm back in this world. Uh, I like that, like like I said, I like. man, I just love when fucking sequels are like, hey, you know, because because also, like I watched the, the first Incredibles during the day. Like just like put my shoes on, went to the theater, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I'm this literally is where we left off. right oh, back nice. in this world. You did a double feature. Yeah, so uh, that was really great. Uh, I love that they. Is this movie is also we didn't really talk about this, but this movie is also really basically like Mrs. Incredible's adventure. Mm. It's like we are following her, like mm-hmm. do her thing. Uh, and in the first movie, uh, uh, Elastigirl, she kept her maiden name. My, my, uh, correct, yeah, <laughs> correct, yeah, correct. <laughs> Uh, so I would say screen it, y'all. It's really dope. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to be getting my learn on from Alonzo because we're going to be getting the, the state of uh, queer oh, yeah. cinema, y'all. It's going to be great. You're listening to Who Shot You? Hey, everybody. Hal Lublin and Mark Gagliardi from We Got This here to talk about our upcoming live shows. Why don't you tell everybody the details about our show in Philadelphia? Sure. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go down to Philadelphia Improv Theater, okay? I'm going to do it on Saturday, June 23rd, okay? There are two shows. One is 5 o'clock show. There's an 8 o'clock show. At 8 o'clock show, you can get a VIP ticket and hang out with us at 7 p.m. for like a whole hour sign something for you you can hang out you can talk to us and then come see a show both shows are going to be completely different now both shows both shows are going to be different Here's I sounded the- like a British actor trying to do a Philadelphia accent yeah you, you can look up Philadelphia Podcast Festival you can look that up and get tickets there or you can go to Philadelphia Improv Theater to the Fit Theater P-H-I-T uh, and you can get tickets there or you can just go direct at bit.ly forward slash we got Philly 2018 that's w-e-g-o-t p-h-i-l-l-y 2018 welcome back to who shall you i'm your host ricky cormona joining me in the studio today are drea clark april wolf alonzo duralde now as some of you know the month of june is pride month We've been sharing a movie recommendation today in celebration of the LGBTQ community all month long. And since it's Pride, we're not going to have a discussion of the current state of queer cinema. We've got ourselves a bit of an expert on this topic. Uh, (laughs) Have you been watching uh, the second season of Queer Eye? Uh, I caught the first couple ones, yeah. Okay. I I had a real relatable moment to to Tan Uh uh, because there's an episode where... Uh, there's somebody who is having a, a transitional surgery. Uh, oh, yes, I haven't seen that one yet. And uh, Tan sits down with this person, and I was just like, oh, this motherfucker is speaking for me right now. He's like, I am not familiar with your community. Uh, I am so ignorant on it, and I'm, I'm a little embarrassed about it. Uh, so I just want to, like, ask you questions. And I was like, yo, that motherfucker's that's, saying what I want to say. That's how you do it. Ricky, yeah. you're and so that's... arms wide open. <laughs> it's like, lovely. Like, not, like, in a Creed way, no, unless say, that's I'm, what you want. I'm more a Pearl Jam It's just lovely. So, like, when I knew this is what we were going to talk about, I was like, I am not going to try and act like I know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> just please help me... Uh, and everybody, anybody out there who may be listening as well. <laughs> sure. I mean, and again, this is just sort of my no take pressure. on it. And other folks are going to have <laughs> have their own. And, you know, this is a very diverse community. But I want to try and sort of just kind of look at some of the broader topics. Um, you know, I think that what's interesting about where we are right now is that... You know, yes, it's the constant disappointment of, like, this week we find out that the veterinarian, the paleo-veterinarian in Jurassic World was going to be a lesbian and they cut the one line where she mentions it, you know. But even if we're not getting into, like, giant blockbusters with the notable exception of Deadpool 2, um, you know, I, I think that you're seeing a lot more queer presence 
in 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 movies. Obviously, you know, Love Simon was a big deal. Uh, certainly on television, although obviously the hashtag kill your gays thing has been a problem with some mm-hmm. shows. Um, but I think that we're really killing it online. And that's where the kids are. You know, mm-hmm. you talk to the people who are under 20 and they're, you know, YouTube is it. Like that's that is they're they're getting so much content there. And so I think you're seeing a lot of web series and kind of, you know, YouTube personalities or influencer who are, you know, queer or, or you know, and, and, and again, this is, we're talking all over the spectrum. So, you know, whether they're bi or they're non-binary or they're trans or they're lesbian or gay or, you know, there's, there are a lot of voices out there and they can be found and they are accessible, you know, and you can hop on Netflix and watch Alex Strangelove and watch Queer Eye and watch, you know, they've got a whole page of LGBT movies, you know, I just I just watched GBF with the the monthly, you know, linoleum knife club meeting that we do. Um, so, What's you know, GBF, uh, gay best friend. It's a okay. it's a comedy that uh, uh, George Nothy wrote and uh, Darren Stein directed. It's about uh, this high school where there are no no out gay people and the three uh, sort of like. You know, the, the the kind of warring popular girls are tr- all trying to get a GBF because it's the hot accessory. <laughs> and so this one that's kid funny. accidentally gets outed and they're all like <laughs> fighting over him. It's a, it's a cute movie. That's, it's actually, funny. that's a really good premise. I like um, that a lot. So, yeah. So, I you know, and, and, and certainly from my perspective at Outfest, I can say that like every year we have – more to choose from and stronger films to choose from. And I'm sure, Dre, you've probably experienced this in in looking at queer films for different festivals. Like, there are movies that I watched and I think, you know, 10 years ago, we would have snapped this up. And now it's like, it, I, it's, it, it, we don't have to, like we can do better because it, you know, it, 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 there's, there's more to choose from. So it's gotten more competitive. And I think, um, you know, I think there are, there are better options out there. So yeah, we still have a long way to go when it comes to inclusion. We have a long way to go when it comes to, uh, getting the kind of, you know, financial backing and distribution that is available to other kinds of movies. But I think that it's an exciting time. And I, you know, when, when I was 14, like if I had had the access to this kind of stuff, you know, discreetly on my laptop or whatever, like it would have been a whole nother thing, you know? And, and, and I love that. I love that, 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 you know, for, for, for subsequent generations, it's changing up. Uh, you know, I, I just had this conversation with a, an academic who is working on a book about, you know, Valley of the Dolls and why, you mm-hmm. know, it's resonated with gay men and, and, and the sort of, you know, the, the, the parodies and the celebrations of it and stuff. And, and he was asking me, like, is that a movie that's going to mean as much to future generations? And I said, I don't think so, because I think that you know older films like that that gay men had to kind of reinterpret for themselves was part of this process where you know when you're invisible in the media you have to sort of find your own narratives and rethink about stuff your own way or like insert yourself in the place of the leading lady because you want to make out with the leading man but there's no movie where you get to see that happen but you know, the youngs today are getting this stuff really early and they don't have to reinterpret the culture. They are the culture and they're getting they're they're seeing themselves in the culture, which people my age and, and, and older, certainly, and even, you know, a generation or two behind me didn't grow up seeing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's onward and upward. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I have the same experience with Netflix where, I mean. You, you talk to me in like high school, you know. I I, I I was talking about NYPD Blue earlier, which I like. I'm watching NYPD Blue because that's one of the few places that I'm going to see a Latino man being the lead on a show. Mm-hmm. Where it's like now, if I go to Netflix, Netflix is kind of somehow figured out I'm Latino, and it's like, have you watched this yet? Have you watched that yet? Have you watched this yet? Have you watched that yet? Have you watched? I'm like, I can't. Not, not, too many choices right now, Netflix. Too many choices. Whereas my marathoning of Terrace House has screwed my Netflix metric up like nobody's business. It's just all Japanese reality shows. <laughs> um, yeah, you mentioned on the f- festival side of things, yeah. like how things are changing that are coming through. A, we are seeing a little more content, which mm-hmm. is nice because there was a whole thing when I started in the film festival world, like almost 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But I'm so young. But um, <laughs> there, there was this thing of, 
you were just grateful if there were gay characters right. and you were like finding something to speak to a different community that it could feel more slapdash or whatever. And now there's like, oh, no, good. We can have artistry and other standards. <laughs> and there's two tracks that it's taken. And I find both of them exciting. One are the films that I would put both like Love, Simon or Call Me By Your Name under, which is the idea of a world there. There imaginary or sort of imaginary worlds where the gay characters in them, there's not a sense of threat really about it. And so therefore the movie can just jump into being either a romance or a teen drama or whatever. And there's a lovely escapism for that that I imagine is really gratifying. And then the other tract is leans harder and references more of like your more classic queer cinema, like which is like the Bruce LeBruce to Gregor Rocky to mm. that that the new queer cinema. <laughs> yes, the new queer cinema that's saying more. Um, actually, it's not really interesting to me if I pass as hetero or if I'm like blending in your world, and therefore I want characters that aren't necessarily on that same trajectory. Mm. So that like you bringing up Queer Eye is a great example. My favorite character on that. Character, I know they're people, but <laughs> my favorite guy on that is Jonathan, and part yes. of it, Jonathan's I find great. him... Jonathan yes. Grooming, as we call him. Yes, <laughs> he's so wonderful, and he's, um, he's you know, an effervescent person, and you can watch him, and he's funny, and he brings out the best in everyone around him, but he's also very unabashedly himself in every situation, and when I watch him interact, like, especially at the beginning, I would find myself like, oh, no, 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 like... Oh, tone it down, like in a way that I'm like, oh, you'll make them uncomfortable and then they'll be mean to you. You're tone right. policing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then I would catch myself doing that. And then I was like, no, fuck yeah, flip your hair, call him girl, <laughs> tell him to work. Like, I loved that because that is, it's his true. I don't get any, I don't think he's being performative. I get a very just like authentic, that is how he's expressing yeah. himself. And that guy is not in Love, Simon. That guy's not in Call Me By Your Name. And I would, and that's the other trajectory that I'm like, oh, th- those stories are starting to come out now of people who are like, A, I'm not maybe either... I'm not gay, I'm not straight, I'm not male, I'm not female. Yeah. Like, there's just a lot more fluidity, yeah, and those like characters the, are I exciting. I like the fun queers. You know? <laughs> yeah. I do, I do, because it's just like, those are my friends from high school, it's just like, you know, going tits to the glass with like with everything. It's just tits like, tits okay, tits to the glass. Today's the day, yeah, today, today's the day where I'm going to have like leopard print hair, and, and we're all going to drink, you know, Mike's Hard Lemonade, and then do crazy stuff, because that's, you know, what we did and mm-hmm. and you know you're still feeling kind of like like you have a secret you know like this kind of thing where like we're different from everyone else and that's yeah. that's just something that i i really really love about yeah, the queer the embracing community the yeah. Difference. Those are I, just yeah. different but yeah i totally want to see movies that are about queers of color and femi queers yeah. and fat queers yeah. and all the and we got pose on fx now. i was gonna say pose and when you talk about the, the 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 not having to feel think about the threat part i love that 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 show and they've talked about it, this is a very intentional thing you have a trans sex worker who has this relationship with her client that is not going to be about him killing her yeah. Which is a narrative yes. we've just seen over and over and over again. And so to like have to, to explore what that dynamic is like and what their relationship is about without having to cringe in the back of our mind. Uh, when does the knife come out? You know, it's uh, yeah, it, that's that feels revolutionary in a lot of ways. And Alonso <laughs> did do a really great job when we were p- picking films for this month, um, which we've been posting on Twitter. Oh, yeah, definitely. I was like, I went in, there's a Google Doc, and I went in and was like, damn! There's almost no empty spaces! Yeah, I kind of didn't, I didn't even look at it, because I was just like, I'm going to get excited when we put them on Twitter, and I'll be Let like, it be a okay, surprise. Great. Yeah, yeah, then I can like, fill, I can populate my watch list from it. So. Absolutely, yeah. And where can, it, it's, uh, for Filmcast, uh, you're talking about films. Film right? you ta- for, for, I'm sorry, for Filmcast. For Filmstruck, you're, yes. are you on there introducing? Yes, uh, I'm, I'm introducing a spate, uh, like almost all of the feature films directed by Derek Jarman, uh, who was kind of a pioneer in this department. Like he was making queer features in the 70s. Uh, but, you know, actually his film, Edward II, which just came out on Blu-ray in the U.S. for the first time, uh, 
played at that Sundance Film Festival in 1991 when, you know, B. Ruby Rich kind of proclaimed the birth of the new queer cinema. So even though he was kind of an old queer cinema at that point, like he is part of that yeah. movement from the early 90s with Greg Araki and, you know, Todd Haynes and Gus Van Sant and, and, and um, you know, Rose Trochet and, and, and Cheryl Dunye and those folks who have, you know, moved on to other stuff and, and have inspired subsequent generations of queer filmmakers. Right. So check out uh, check out Alonzo on there uh, and get your get your movie learned on yo. That's what's up. Uh, it is. <laughs> uh, we're uh, it's almost time for us uh, to wrap it up here. But before we do that, it is time for staff picks. Every week we ask the panel to tell us about a movie we think folks should check out. Any movie at all. Drea, would you like to start us off here? I would, and it's funny because I'm going to actually go deep into like the bummer thing that you were just referencing. <laughs> but, um, Some sad okay. shit. Yeah. I was thinking of, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of fun, frothy movies, and if you're seeing Incredibles <laughs> 2, wonderful. This is hard the other direction, but my mind is so swirling with what's going on in the real world right now, and um, I think all of us are people that find film is a great way to have insight and humanity to the art, bringing an artistic view of things. So my pick is um, a film that I love called Sin Nombre, mm. which is by mm-hmm. Kerry Fukunaga. And he's one of my favorite directors. You might be familiar with him. He directed the first season of True Detective. Um, and, also, and not the second season. And not the second season. He <laughs> yeah, also, we should be clear about yeah, that. Yes. <laughs> he also directed uh, Jane Eyre with Michael Fassbender and Mio Iyasaki, which is my favorite adaptation. It's one of my favorite movies. But Sin Nombre is wonderful. It follows a Honduran teenage girl who is immigrating um, illegally on this crazy train. Um, She joins up with um, two Mexican guys um, at one point, and that's all of their stories get intertwined in their backgrounds, and there's a lot of heart and insight to it and an idea of why someone would put themselves through that because you see she literally sees people like being crossing and being sent right back, like almost like a video game. And then the just the horrendous travail it takes to get there. Um, it's it's beautifully shot and means a lot to me. So seen nombre and tied to that, but in a stranger way. Um, but I actually produced a Spanish language film myself called Lake Los Angeles, which is about um, it stars an 11 year old Mexican girl who has been snuck over the border and her family's not claimed her. And so she disappears into the desert and has kind of a magical realism thing. And then the Cuban man who runs the um, the coyote house, like he search off, he looks for her. And again, we had a lot of talks at the time of bringing the humanity to that kind of story. And it's wonderful in ways that have nothing to do with me, so I don't feel bad. <laughs> it's gorgeously shot. I love the whole story. The performances are incredible. Yeah, so that's Lake Los Angeles, and the first one is Sin Nombre. Where can you see Lake Los Angeles? Both of those are on, like, iTunes, that kind okay. of thing. I don't think either of them are video demand or anything at this point, okay. but, um, yeah, Boy, iTunes, so Google Play, that sort of thing. Excellent. Hey, April, what do you got? Okay, so uh, this is a, a weird one that you, I think you're going to have to find on a, a YouTube link because it's only available in VHS in the United States. Although if you go to Thailand, you can pick up a DVD somewhere. <laughs> they end it up when you get off the plane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on any street corner. Yeah. So I, I mean, I watched it off of YouTube. Um, it's from 1984, and it's called The Eyes of Fire. Um, and I, I watched it because I've been doing research for a movie that I'm writing, and this is one that is... So trippy and so weird, uh, and makes a, a l- not that much sense. But it's a it's a horror western, and it's these pioneers who are who are traveling through very dangerous lands. Um, there's tons of talk about like um, uh, uh, adultery and 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 other terrible sins and stuff. There's a preacher character. There's, there's a, a, but a witch is protecting them through this thing. And like the, the witch may be good or bad, but there's witchcraft that's going on while they're th- going through um, Shawnee lands. And it's so weird, but there, I, if, there's you just have to see it i'm not going to say that there's like a lot of great morals or anything in it but it's it's very interesting you know horror art um of a b grade and it's 
I, I think you should just watch it. <laughs> I don't need morals in my witch movie. Am I crazy? Am I crazy freaking deep? <laughs> what you just explained there? I'm, I'm, you had me. You had me. I, yeah. The, eyes of fire. Eyes of fire. Alonzo. So I, I have mentioned both Superfly and Won't You Be My Neighbor in passing uh, in the What's Good segment, and I still recommend those. Shout out to Snow Patrol. Uh, hell yeah. <laughs> But but you know they're not the only great outfits in the movie. All the outfits are amazing. Um, the uh, this is a movie that I was not expecting to like as much as I did, but it really caught me by surprise. And I keep thinking about it. And I just it's if you go in just sort of ready to kind of laugh and and enjoy it. Tag. Wow, is that right? I know, okay. right? Okay. Yeah. It, 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 is a, it is a very silly comedy based on apparently a true story about this group of friends who have maintained this game of tag for like decades. Um, but, you know, th- this is the, the – the, in, in the movie version, uh, Jeremy Renner plays one of the friends who has managed to never be tagged. And he's about to get married and claims he, he's going to retire undefeated. So, of course, the rest of his friends all gather, you know, to like to, – to finally get him. And – it's just it's it it is it is a weirdly kind of it's a very felt character comedy in a lot of way like you believe these guys have been friends their entire lives and um you know it it it's a movie that is about stupid guy stuff but hmm. it acknowledges that it's about stupid guy stuff it doesn't try and pass it off like this is normal behavior uh and the women get fun things to do and they aren't just sort of naggy shrews about it like Isla Fisher is hysterical Leslie Bibb Totally, you know, like gets to pull a really fun switcheroo that you, you do not see coming. Um, and uh, John Hamm, I don't think has ever been better outside of Mad Men. Like he's so often miscast, but he's a lot of fun in this. Ed Helms, uh, Hannibal Burris, uh, Jake Johnson. I I really enjoyed Tag. So you know, it's a if you need just like an air conditioning delivery system, <laughs> this is your movie. It's almost two hours, so you get to like chill for a long time. Uh, Tom Sick directed that movie. He's a friend of mine. Oh, okay. Uh, Hannibal nice. Burris. I've known him from Chicago, so I'm very happy to hear these things because I get happy when my friends do dope shit. And you don't have to lie to them. Exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's <just> like, woo! <laughs> but we hate it when our friends become successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I will burn their house. Left Eye at Lopez, burn their house down. Andre Weissman. Hey, I don't know if you all know this, but uh, I'm, you know you're huge movie people. I know you do. This. You know this. Today's the 15 year anniversary of Ang Lee's Hulk coming out, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, yeah. And since another we, movie with no the on it, no, yeah, I, 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 I thought about it. I thought about it. It, is, yeah. it is just Hulk, and I am one of the few people who love that movie. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. Uh, it's. I mean, here's the yeah, like like we said. When we Electric talk about, Nick Nolte. <laughs> I, man, Nick Nolte's amazing in that movie. He's a fucking weirdo, and it's like the the whole movie. The movie is a fucking weirdo. It, it, like <laughs> it, it's it's not the Hulk movie that you're expecting, but visually, like what he does with like panels and that to like actually try and make like a comic book movie, solid, solid. Uh, now I say all this knowing that, like, if you're like Ricky, uh, fuck that movie. I'm not gonna argue with you. I'm not gonna try and like convince you. It's the Jonathan Safran Foer of superhero <laughs> movies. <laughs> it's not even the best Hulk movie. <laughs> it could have been Touché. though. It really could have, yo. Like, here's where he, here's where Ang Lee messed up. Uh, Eric you're gonna Bana. really list how the director messed goddamn, up on your staff. Goddamn right! Goddamn right! Goddamn right. Goddamn Jump right. in, Ricky. <laughs> Seriously, so much. The, the summer of shade continues. <laughs> Eric Bana is just not non-intimidating as a uh, as a Doctor Banner. Like yeah. if when I see him, I go, "Oh no, that guy can whoop ass." Yeah. So him turning into the Hulk isn't like this. Like, oh damn, this person becomes this. So like, he's no Bill Bixby is what you're saying. He's no Bill Bixby. He's no Mark Ruffalo. Even the Edward Norton movie, uh, Hulk movie, which that one is not good. Nope. I believe Edward Norton, like when yes. he turns into the Hulk, I go, yes. They're the, whatever the fuck is inside that dude. Uh, uh, the other awful thing in there, Ang Lee, do not ever CGI cast yourself as the Hulk. Ang Lee did all like the 
stop motion or or like all like the he dressed up in the fucking oh my. black leotard and had like the like really the, yes, the motion it's angry. Yeah, uh, guys, I bought the double oh two disc yeah, yeah, DVD yeah. set. Uh, and yes, did so they make it just for you? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's one copy, <laughs> one limited edition, and I got it. Man, motion uh, capture acting like that take, takes a lot of skill. Still, it's not yeah. it's I, not just like whatever someone gets in a suit. Totally. You still have to act. I firmly believe Angley is the reason that the gods gave us Andy Circus. Like, <laughs> like now, find like, like they were like, you know what? We're just never gonna let that happen ever again. Wow. Uh, so I would say, watch Ang Lee's Hulk, y'all. Hell yeah, that's what I'm coming with. Whoa, <laughs> whoa. Uh, hey, next week we're gonna be talking about Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom with friend of the show, Maximum Fun, uh, favorite Jordan Morris will be in the building. Woo. Yep. If you like what you're hearing and you want to leave us that good review on Apple Podcasts, please do. Five-star reviews. Get a shout-out on the show. We got one right here from Ian Mascaris. Uh, they say, I came to the show from Switchblade Sisters. Woo-woo. That's what's up. And I was not disappointed. The tone is light, but the criticism is serious. All of the hosts are delightful, and the show is always the bright spot in my Saturday morning chore routine. I hope uh, we're better than chores. Yeah. <laughs> hey, y'all, we're better than mopping. <laughs> Boom. Uh, somebody want to read the next one? Somebody want to take a... Uh, Starfishy says, mm. I only started listening to this podcast in the last few months, but it has quickly become a favorite. As a movie lover myself, I enjoy hearing discussions on the new movies coming out, and it's not always the big hits either, which I like, so I can hear their thoughts on movies I may have missed. The Who Cares segment is always funny, mm-hmm. and the <laughs> game slash questions portion is always a good time. I also appreciate the different backgrounds of the hosts and guests of the show. I think they provide really interesting insights. I look forward to this podcast every week. It's a can't-miss-an-episode podcast for me now. Nice. Oh, that's great. That's what's up. Uh, shout out to whoever can pronounce the name. Michelle Bookham? The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Drea, you Drea's get it. it. Yes, I'm buddies with Michelle Bookham. Um, <laughs> I often listen to this podcast, even when I don't care about the topic at all. I just love these people and could listen to them talk about anything. I love that they are a diverse group of people who are honest about how they feel. They don't waste my time pretending to be unbiased. True. Thank you. <laughs> I don't get to see movies often because kids. <laughs> but I love hearing what's out there. I also love Alonzo's Christmas knowledge. Yeah, metal, metal. I'm totally in love with April. <laughs> the amount turn. of... We turned the page and saw that. <laughs> and this is a side note for me. I know at least three people who are like in love with like your... April brain not like in a gross following you home way but yeah you're very lovable April I'm also totally in love with April but Ricky is great too (laughs) <laughs> There's, we have gotten several reviews now where it's like, and yes. Ricky's cool. Oh, Ricky, you're Thank there. Thank you. I'm here. Um, you're a delight. Thank you all for keeping it real and keeping me entertained on my long runs. Oh, that's Thank very you. sweet. Thank you. Um, we've got one more. It's from Julia in Kentucky. Hello. Shout out to Kentucky. Um, did, I ever, <laughs> did I come over to Who Shot You because I was sick of listening to white dudes talk about movies? Well, yes. Did I stay because of some weird moral obligation to listen to a more diverse movie podcast? Hell no. Thank you. Uh, I stayed because the show is so good. It makes me feel more informed about what's going on in movies and more aware of the multiplicity of ways to think about what makes a film good and what goes into getting something released. Like Drea's interview last week that talked about how a director dealt with releasing a film that has a big spoiler in the plot description. Plus, the crew has a rapport that make me feel like I'm hanging out with old friends, which is really comforting when the day gets lonely or the traffic gets maddening. April might even meet, <laughs> April might even talk me into watching a horror film sometime this year if she keeps it up. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, thanks for putting up some uh, such great content every week, y'all. Nice. Right. Thanks, everybody. And those were all very kind yes, words. Thank you. thank you very much. Thank you. Drea, thank you for being here. Thank you yeah. so much. I go by Gladys now, but <laughs> you're very welcome. I love Gladys. you guys. I love to be in this little box with you. They call me Gladys. I hope we see you before 28 days pass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Watching you, Geraldine. Watching you. I still don't get it, but I'll laugh. <laughs> This is very exciting news. We have a live show coming up next month. We're going to be screening Attack the Block. Believe, bruv. <laughs> at the Dynasty Typewriter Theater in Los Angeles. Mark it on your calendars July 5th. Uh, afterwards, we'll discuss the movie with some great guests. It's going to be solid. We'll be posting about that soon. Keep an eye out for it on our Twitter feeds, on our Instagrams, on our Facebook. And hey, check out our Facebook. 
Boom. See that? That's Good. a segue, yo. You landed that. Thank you. If you haven't subscribed yet, handle <laughs> that at facebook.com slash groups slash who shot your podcast. Have a comment or suggestion about this week's show. Tweet us at who shot your pod or send us an email at who shot you at maximumfun.org. Uh, and don't forget on our Twitter feed we are mentioning uh, we are tweeting out Pride movies uh, every day every day all day all day every day <laughs> yeah our producer <laughs> our producer is Casey O'Brien our senior producer is Laura Swisher this is a production of MaximumFun.org and that's what's up MaximumFun.org comedy and culture Artist owned. Listener supported.